Oh, crap. My, my phone wants to update again. <laughs> it's been wanting to update for the past week. That is and I'm perfect like, nope, timing. Later. Perfect timing. Yeah. Don't you love it when that happens? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how many updates it's been trying to do on me. It's like... <sighs> I was trying to call the bank the other day, and in the middle of it, my phone decided it was going to tell me to update, and it was like, hey, do you really want to update? And I was like, okay, the bank's not picking up, so I'll just let you update. <laughs> <laughs> the bank or the... <laughs> then the bank calls me, like, right as I hit the update button. <laughs> <laughs> Can I call you back? My phone's updating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the Vince Leno Podcast, episode 17. On today's episode, we're talking about the Kingsman 2 trailer, the Cars 3 trailer, uh, some release dates from Disney, Narnia, the difference between character development and character study, with special guest Jacob Turner. So, yeah, sit back, right sit back and relax, <laughs> because the Vince Lerner podcast starts right now. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Hey guys, welcome to the Vince Lerno Podcast on this, uh, well, Monday, it's going to be released on Monday, what is Monday, April? I don't think it's April. It's gonna, not going to be April, oh gosh, Monday's going to be, uh, Monday's going to be, when is, Monday's going to be May 1st, so on this Monday, May 1st, 2017, I'm your host, Vince Lerno, I'm joined by my special guest today, uh, he's my roommate. Hi. Regrettably so. <laughs> Nepotism rocks. Nepotism, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Uh, it's Jacob Turner. Um, so Jacob, why don't you tell the world a little bit about yourself? Um, well, I go to the same, um, backwoods California school that Vinny goes to. Um, I've been a writer and, uh, for pretty much as long as I can remember. I'm also an aspiring film director. I'm probably not speaking too loud, uh, loud enough. Just shove the microphone in my face. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, um, Vinny wanted me to come on here because we had a little debate the other day and uh, we couldn't resolve it so he said we'll resolve it online and yeah. let all of his viewers resolve it. <laughs> he, he, he gave me the topic of the week basically when we yeah. were discussing things. I'm cool like that. Yeah, so we'll get into that a little later. First, um, last week we sort of went off, off track with the basic way of how I do things with uh, just talking about Star Wars Celebration Orlando which was great. Uh, today we're going to talk about the top five. We're back at the top five. So Number one, uh, there was a trailer released for the first trailer for Kingsman: The Golden Circle, the sequel to Kingsman: The Secret Service. Um, I love the first movie. Uh, my Good friend movie. Jacob Hadavi, who you guys have seen on the show before, he wrote the theme song for the Vince Lerno podcast. Um, he loves this movie, and we've been talking about storm about the sequel and what that could involve. And seeing this trailer, just the trailer actually wowed me. You know, because I was expecting like, you know, the typical action, action music. And, you know, I was expecting cool stuff because it's it's Kingsman. But I, I wasn't expecting something as great as what we got. But, you know, they blow up uh, the Kingsman headquarters. Uh, the well, you know, it's typical sequel stuff. Typical sequel crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't expect I wasn't expecting to see something like until like we got the third or the, the last Kingsman movie. But. I mean, who knows? Maybe this is the last Kingsman movie. I don't know, but um, It'll be the first I, I love the, the sp- <laughs> whatever. I love the, the I love the, the song playing in the trailer. Uh, Frank Sinatra's "I Did It My Way." I uh, actually have a very special connection with that song because that was the song that my grandpa uh, was his favorite song to see. Uh, always did everything his way, and he passed away, and that was the song we played at his funeral. So, um, hit me in the heart right there, but. Uh, Hearing that song and hearing um, and seeing all the characters that we know and love from the first movie and seeing new characters like freaking Channing, uh, frick, what's his last name? Tatum, Channing, Channing Tatum. Magic yeah. Mike. Just Magic, call him Magic Mike. Ma- seeing Magic Mike in the movie <laughs> with a freaking um, um, he's gonna flask belt buckle. I want one of those statesman flask belt buckles. He's going uh, to class up the whole thing. Just he's going to class up there. everything. Yeah, <laughs> and seeing uh, Julianne Moore and uh, the icing on the cake for me was freaking Jeff Bridges <laughs> playing like the head of the statesman. I was like, you cannot get any more perfect with casting in this movie. Well, that's, than, a, that's a bit tight casting for Jeff Bridges. Isn't but it? still, it's perfect. I mean. 
it's Goblin's perfect to cast um, Colin Firth as the character he plays, uh, Harry Hart, because, like, I think he should have been cast as James Bond, like, 10, 15 years ago, you know? He should totally still be cast as James Bond. He could. He could be, like, an Way old, retired James Bond. I mean, actually, Crazy. you know what? Him playing Harry Hart is a good substitute. Well, he's alive. Let's talk about that. He's alive. He's got an eye patch, and uh, somehow he didn't survive, I and mean, people are making up really ridiculous series about like, oh, he's a robot or it's his brother and he's got an eye patch because reasons and <laughs> stupid brother, stuff like he that. He got his eye clawed out when they were fighting his young kids and his yeah. evil twin brother. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's like no, I, I'm, I am heartily convinced that that is Harry Hart and he is alive and well. And maybe he's – people are like, he's got like a robot brain or something that keeps him <laughs> alive. It's like shut up. Well, I, I've, I'm, I'm not too familiar with the source material. I mean, right. um, I don't even know if they're adapting the source material anymore. Or well, I don't know if they even started adapting the source. I, I, I think they, I know the name, the Secret Service, yeah. but not even. I don't even think Kingsman was in the original comic book. Oh, well, I mean, um, again, I mean, it could be a lot of things. Could I mean, it is kind of a very stylized comic book style movie, and it does have a lot of ridiculous things in it. So it's entirely possible that. Harry Hart survived a gunshot to the head. <laughs> exactly. I'm, um, I'm, I mean, who knows? Who knows? We'll have to watch the movie because de- that's definitely on my list for this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would not have been excited about this movie, this movie if I hadn't seen the first movie and Jacob Hottie built it up for me so much that <laughs> I just, I love the first movie cause it's so like meta and what the hell is my computer doing right now? <laughs> trying to do really weird stuff. It's so like it's meta with its humor. Like like the, the conversation Sam Jackson and Colin Firth have about spy movies and him being like serious and this movie getting back to the fun of those original uh, James Bond films. And it really feels like like those original James Bond films cranked up times 10 billion. Because they've got the like ridiculous they're they're fighting on like it. like these these old temples or do with a robot. There's people with freaking uh, flask belt buckles and whips and and robotic hands and the oh. villains Julianne Moore. I mean, how more ridiculous can you get? All all before they decided to turn James Bond into the Dark Knight redone. Exactly. <laughs> I, I have not been a fan of the new James Bond movies. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I like Skyfall. Uh, I think. Spectre took it a little too far, the whole family drama angle, but, you know, we'll see. We, we, we got one more Daniel Craig film, but that's not the point. The point is the Kingsman 2 Golden Circle trailer was awesome, and uh, we're, we're definitely I'm definitely going to go check that out. Hopefully yeah. hopefully I'm with Jacob Hotovy when I see that because I won't year. see it with anybody mm-hmm. else. All right, uh, number two on the list, Star Wars Episode Nine and Indiana Jones 5 have official release dates. Star Wars 9 is going to be released in... Please stop making Indiana Jones movies. Not December, <laughs> but May. May 24th, 2019. May the 24th be with you is when we're going to get Star Wars Episode 9. And Indiana Jones 5 is coming out in 2020. July, I believe. I don't remember the exact date. I don't have it in front of me, but... Please stop making Indiana Jones movies. Stop. <laughs> I mean, stop, Jacob. Shut up. All right, let's talk about this, though. So, so Star Wars is moving away from December. Um, Wasn't it originally? Didn't it originally, it was originally come, out come out It originally came out in May. That's so where the whole May the 4th thing That's where from. the May the 4th thing comes, I believe, because it was released on May 4th. I'm going to look it up now. But, um, so I, I understand that, but for me, it it kind of devalues Star Wars in a way, because I got so used to Star, Star Wars coming out in December. Like, it really feels like a Christmas, Christmas tradition and an event. Like, it's a tradition for me and my brother to go see um, Star Wars together. Now, we started watching... We, we went to the theater together to see The Force Awakens. We went together to go see Rogue One. We're planning going to see The Last Jedi together in December. And now now that Han Solo's coming out in May, and now uh, Episode eight's, or episode, eight, episode nine's coming out in May, it just sort of devalues... It, it just becomes another atypical blockbuster. And of course, in any case, Star Wars is not an atypical blockbuster, but... Totally is. <laughs> I want to no, see Star Wars back in December. I liked having that Christmas tradition. It really felt like it made Christmas even more of a special time for me being well, a hardcore Star Wars fan. Well, I mean, they're with Star Wars, though, they're kind of banking on nostalgia. Like, that's about 75% of their 
whole marketing campaign is like, oh, hey, you remember the Star Wars themes? You remember the the original Star Wars look? You remember, you know, the X-Wings and R2-D2 and C-3PO and Princess Leia and well, yeah, but, and all them? But that's and, I mean, the point because it's like that's the only way you're going to get people in the theater to watch the movies yeah. is because of those but I mean, I, I, think, I think this is just kind of sort of taking it to the next level where they just go all the way back to the original roots of it where it's like it comes out in May and it's it, it's made as a summer movie instead of being um, a, a December movie, which uh, I mean, it makes sense. I'm I, I right. I'm none too. Dis- I'm, I'm not too distressed with this. It's yeah, it, it makes sense for what they're going for. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. It does make sense. I don't think it's going to hurt them in any way like it's still going to make it might even make more in the summer totally. um but there's there is one mind-blowing thing about this move <laughs> this move though is that we're going to get a star wars movie and a avengers movie within one year apart from each other or not even no not one year one one month apart from each other i think or a couple weeks apart from each other it's going to be a great month i'm just going to a minute from each other a second from each other <laughs> no it's it's a week about two weeks from each other i believe that's going to be quite the weekend it's going to be a great month for Disney. It's going to be a great month for Disney. Um, I, I, I would like to see them move back to December eventually, but if this is, I don't know, maybe they want to stick it in May. It's not going to make a difference any, any, way, any other way, but it's, it's fine. Um, Indiana Jones 5, though, um, well, it was initially supposed to come out in 2019, but I guess because Steven Spielberg is working so much, He's got like 20 billion projects. Like I think he announces a new one every day. Go Spielberg. Um, yeah, exactly. Go Spielberg. But it looks like we're not going to see Indiana Jones again until 2020. Um, and Harrison Ford is still confirmed to come back. And look, I don't care what y'all say. I like Crystal Skull. Is the alien stuff like out there and just out of place? Yes, there's no denying that. But the movie's great. It, it feels like an Indiana Jones movie. It's all the same stuff we remember from Indiana Jones Except there are aliens in it. If I could take one thing out of it, I'd take out the aliens. It's, it's not a perfect movie, and it, it in my ranking, it is the least my least favorite of the four, but not because it's terrible. It's because it's just three is so good, two is so good, one is so good. Um, and Crystal Skull is a very obvious cash grab on nostalgia. <laughs> I, I, no, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I don't know. Um, I mean, what do you I, think? I, I really wish that they would just stop making Indiana Jones movies. I mean, to be, I, I remember watching the original ones when I was like 10 years old on vacation with my parents. We have them all on VHS, and they were like, hey, let's watch these. You haven't seen these. And so we watched them, and I loved them. And then I heard Crystal Skull was coming out. I didn't actually watch it in the theater. But, um, I mean... It was it was underwhelming to say the least. I mean, there's something different about seeing Harrison Ford as an older character, and um, I mean, honestly, I'm not too beat up about the alien thing either. I mean, it's kind of the logical place that Indiana Jones would go, given that it started off as a big budget B movie. Um, but I mean, it's it's one of those things where I just get tired of seeing the same. Names on the on the marquee at the movie theater every single year, and it's just this is another name that's going to be repeated up there. It's like okay, Mission Impossible. That's a relatively modern franchise. You can keep making those, and I mean they're still making money. Fast and Furious as a modern franchise, you can keep making those. But I mean at this point, Star Wars I think is for the most part had its run. I'm not ter- I'm not complaining that there's still Star Wars movies coming out because they're a lot of fun. Um, I mean, and you know, seeing all the reboots and remakes of the good. 80s action movies like RoboCop and Terminator and whatnot mm-hmm. up on the marquee every two weeks or every year is just it, it gets it gets yeah. old. I, I'd I, like to see more Baby Driver on the on right. the marquee. Well, I mean, it's hard to make a good original film, and then when the original films come out, no one sees them. Right. Um, right. So it's kind of a the audience that really needs to make the move to show show the world what people want to see and go see Baby Driver. And, and people are deciding to see these sequels and reboots, and and that's what. They're saying to Hollywood, it's like, we want to see more of these. We don't want to see the original stuff. So that's kind of the problem. Um, It's a bad problem. But um, with Indiana Jones, I think they really want to redeem the franchise for those who hate Crystal Skull. And I think they want to set up uh, more films without Harrison Ford with somebody else playing Indiana Jones. I think it's what's going to happen. I swear, if they cast somebody to take on the mantle, like... This is um, Dakota Smith, and he'll be the next Indiana Jones. Like, screw you. I mm. don't want to see that happen. Chris Pratt as Indiana Jones. Do, like, five or six or seven prequels with Chris Pratt, then end it. 
That's what I'm proposing. <laughs> they will never end it as long as it makes money. That's yeah, that's, that's true. Money <laughs> talks. Money talks. All right. Next topic on the slate. Uh, we got a new trailer for Cars 3. It was really good. The Yeah. The, finally, we get to see Lightning McQueen's freaking face. Um, although I liked the first two teasers for Cars 3 – one thing that really sat, after I sat sat on it for a while, one thing that I just irked me was the fact that we have not seen Lightning McQueen's face. We haven't seen the original characters. We haven't seen Mater. It's like Mater was in this one. Where the hell are they? Why are they being so coy and just secretive? Do they not have faith in the movie? This trailer comes out and boom, they they have a lot of faith in this movie. I think um, yeah. one thing was clear is that they're going back to the roots of the original cars, not just by um, making it about Lightning McQueen, but making it a personal story about his growth as a character, which was ex- which is what the first film was about. These films are actually pro- Pixar believes this, and I believe I believe this. Disney and Pixar's Cars is the most realistic Pixar movies out there because they're human stories, but they're told through these sentient cars, sentient cars, whatever, and. <laughs> And that's just super compelling is the fact that they, that they think that their most human and most relatable stories come out of the Cars franchise because they they are very human-like stories about, you know, first one's about a guy who's cocky and thinks about himself and wants fame and fortune and glory and learns to see past that and slow down and appreciate the simple things in life. And this movie is about that same guy who loves racing and has been humbled and is being shoved out of... Um, shoved out of the limelight because he is considered obsolete and he's trying to prove to the world that even though he's old, even though he's part of an old generation, he's still got some tricks up his sleeve and he's still relevant. And It's the baby boomer midlife crisis it's, movie. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've been saying it. It's the Rocky Three of cars. It's the Rocky Three of of Pixar films in general. Yeah. And I, I definitely loved the energy that was in this trailer. It was it was it was good to see this sort of um, there American the, spirit, in a way. Yeah, I mean, there there was a comeback story. There was kind of a, um, all right, look, this is this is kind of where where the mighty have fallen to, and there was there was kind of a very um, a, a very a very compelling and driving energy in the whole trailer, and I'm very ex- I've been excited for this movie since they announced it because mm-hmm. um, I do love the Cars movies. Yeah, screw uh, y'all, we love Cars. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the. This this trailer in particular, I mean, I, I I honestly think this could be the best Cars movie yet, and I'm really excited to see it when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said before, like my the I my dad and I love watching Cars. We have a new stereo system. We love cranking it up to a hundred, and watching that opening scene with the Cheryl Crow song. It's just oh, yeah. it's so much fun, and it, and it brings you into the world and and gets you at the right energy level for that movie because it's just so much fun. Good job. And. Um, one thing I want to say about the themes real quick also, it's funny because like that's exactly what we're tackling with Windfall Rising, this the new short film I'm directing with Claire McKay. We're tackling those types of themes um, about people feeling obsolete and being pushed out of the way for a new generation. And um, Windfall Rising as well as Cars 3 is about people learning to um, find their relevance in a changing world while also learning to adapt and try new things and like the new the new way of doing things is not bad but um don't, ha- don't push aside the old ways don't just push because aside there's a new way to do it exactly yeah. and that's just it's just it's it's in, in it's encouraging for me as a director of this film to see those themes still be relevant today yeah um I mean, there's there's certain themes that kind of stay timeless and don't really go away. Oh, exactly. And I mean, definitely. I mean, because as, as long as as long as the theme is um, sort of part of the uh, the, the the imagination of uh, of of people, there's going to be something about it that rings true. And as long as there's something about it that rings true, then there's going to be something about it that's going to stick around. Because I mean, if you if you crack open you know the Bible and you go look at you know Proverbs or something, there's you're going to find stuff in there that's that's just like oh wow, that's actually really relatable. And this was written what two thousand three thousand years ago. Um, it it's it's really amazing. One of the things that's always kind of struck me about. Um, the, what what comes out of cultures and what comes out of people just kind of tends if it's if it's good it tends to stick around and it tends to become timeless 
and right. the themes don't become obsolete as the decades and the years and the millennia go by. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, good point. So, um, yeah, all this adds to our excitement for Cars 3. I, I really do think it's going to be a <laughs> I don't know if the Proverbs thing does. <laughs> well, you know, you know. like you know. Pastor Jim. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, I think, yeah, all this fuels our excitement for Cars 3. I really do believe, I do agree with Jacob, that it's going to be the best Cars film. Uh, Who knows, not, it hasn't come out yet. Maybe. It might be worse, but <laughs> I, do, I do think it's going to be a good movie. All right, number four. Joe Johnston, director of Captain America, The First Avenger, and The Rocketeer. They're Isn't... finally making another Narnia movie. Yep, yep, that's it. You ruined it. <laughs> Joe Johnston. I had to steal your thunder once. Joe Johnston's going to direct uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Silver Chair, um, for whatever the hell studio it's with at this point. I don't know if it's with Fox or Disney or... or, or uh, I don't know. point is they're making it. Is it at a, maybe it's at A24. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be a te- that'd be a really creepy version of Narnia, all indie-like and Narnia meets that new g- the ghost story. Narnia movie. meets Moonlight. <laughs> uh, um, anyways, look, being a big fan of Captain. So which, one, so which one? Which one should we be worried about, Aslan or the kids? Oh gosh, I don't know. Both probably. Okay, so being a big fan of Captain America, this is obviously great news. He did it. Joe Johnson is like legendary. I mean, he he also directed a. Jurassic Park three, although that's not the best of the, of the three, Alan. but um, or the four, I guess now. But um, I like I like Jurassic Park three. I like what they did with it. It's not a great movie. I love The Rocketeer, even though it's got its own issues as well. That's a lot of fun. Captain America: The First Avenger um, brought all those elements that he brought to those films, and um, I think that's his like that's the one film of his that I really enjoy is, is the first Avenger. And if he brings that same, uh, respect to the lore that he, that he brought to Captain America, to Narnia, uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited that they're finally making the silver chair because out of all the Narnia books, my two favorites are the horse and his boy and then the silver chair. And, um, I mean, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't, get to the silver chair or the horse and his boy, but now that they're actually making one of them, I'm really excited. And, um, I mean, I do, I do like Joe Johnson's work. I'm not terribly familiar with him. The only movies of his that I've seen are Jurassic Park three, the rocketeer and Captain America, which but, is um, what all I've, I've seen too. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he, he's, he's got kind of a very fun, um, fun, fun sort of style to it. I mean, he knows how to do period pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, given that, Narnia does technically take place in the 20th century around the same time as Captain America and the Rocketeer. I'm, I'm very excited to see kind of what he does, at least with that part of the story. And then of course there's sort of the more Arthurian legend qualities to Narnia, which could, can definitely be a lot of fun if treated properly. And I'm, I'm I'm very intrigued to see what goes down with this movie. Yeah. So do you think they're going to, I mean, this is said to be like a reimagining. Do you think they're going to bring back, some of the, the think they're going to recast some of the the original characters. Are they going to bring back? Are they going to bring in new characters? Um. Well, so I I know because because isn't the Silver Chair focused on, focused on Eustace? Who? Yeah. So it's it's Eustace and Jill Pole in the Silver Chair, and um, pretty much the only other character that or the only other characters that come from the other books that are in it are um, Javis or Jadis the White Queen. She's, I guess, I think she's green in this one. Um, she's like the queen of the underworld or something. Mm. And then Aslan, obviously. Um, and, I mean, it's a bummer, but they're probably going to have to recast Eustace, which is a real shame because yeah. I loved the... Will, um, Will Poulter yeah, was Will great. Yeah, Pol- Will Poulter was amazing. Um, I'm I'm definitely intrigued to see who they'll, who they'll cast as Jill Pole. Um, yeah. Because Jill Pole is one of my favorite characters from Narnia. Um, mm-hmm. She's just this kind of very spunky schoolgirl who, you know, she's she's kind of like uh, Edmund is in uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Very skeptical and gotcha. um, not exactly the most present of mind. A bit whiny and um, ki- kind of kind of like a Eustace is in Don Treader, but um, on a, on a more feminine level, uh, or a version of that. Um, gotcha. And um, she she has a very interesting uh, arc that she carries in in the silver chair, which is one of the reasons that it's my favorite because she's just an absolutely amazing character, mm. and I'm very very excited to see what they do with her in this movie. Yeah. Oh my gosh, 
Who are they gonna get to? Who, who are they gonna get to voice Aslan? Liam Neeson. How do you? <laughs> how do? Yeah, say so how do you recast Liam Neeson? Um, like it got to get Liam Neeson back. At least Liam Neeson, if no one else. Well, if they can't get Liam Neeson back, um, I do think that they should definitely try to get Charles Dance to do it. Mm, because that would that, be cool. That would be really awesome. He's got like I'd you be know up for very Charles Dance. Yeah, very gravelly sort of majestic voice you know he, he starts to talk in a movie and people tend to listen yeah um, he plays tywin lannister in game of thrones a very powerful presence on screen um yeah i think i think he's best known for his role in ghostbusters as the professor at princeton oh my god i totally forgot he was in that yes very very classic role of his uh, i think he also won academy award for it wait really no it's freaking ghostbusters are you kidding me <laughs> I mean, I like the movie, but even I recognize that there is some. <laughs> hey, there could be good acting in a movie like no, this. He was, let's be honest, no, he was great. It's just the fact that he was in the movie that was overall not so great. And um, yeah, don't get me don't get me started on Ghostbusters. It seems like every time I uh, every time I, I talk about something related to Ghostbusters, I'll go on a tangent. So let's just stop right now. Um, yeah, oh, wait, you're talking about the new one, not the, the new one. one. Yeah, okay, what did you okay. think I was talking about? The no old? wonder I forgot he was in it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> what about a totally different career, I think. Go away, Melissa McCarthy. He was going to be Walter Peck. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, Joe Johnston directing uh, Narnia, The Silver Chair. Computer, I swear. I'm sorry, guys. My computer keeps asking me to do things, and I don't want to. So that's why you keep, keep hearing me click. I'm going to stop clicking, I think, I hope. Um, technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. It's okay. Um, but yeah, Joe Johnston... Great director. Everything looks great. I, the fact that we have a director now, I think things are going to move forward a lot faster. So hopefully we hear more news about casting in the near in the next couple months and about a release date and all that stuff. Actually, I'm really inter- interested to hear what Maria Andres has to say about this. I have to get her on the show and ask her because she has a really cool story about um, Voyage of the Dawn. She has a really great connection with that movie, so I'll have to get her on the show and talk about that. Uh, okay, number five. David Fincher will, I repeat will direct World War Z 2. I reported on this uh, a couple months ago. I don't remember what episode specifically, but I remember reporting on, reporting on this, the fact that freaking David Fincher might direct World War Z 2, and, and I remember being kind of excited because it's freaking David Fincher. He's, yeah. he's One of my favorite films is Gone Girl, and uh, he did a phenomenal job with that. He does a phenomenal job with every film he does, like The Social Network, uh, Fight Club, House of Cards. I, yeah, can, I, think, I think if you had any doubts about David Fincher's abilities as a filmmaker, the fact that the social network exists and it's a really enthralling and fun movie to watch is yeah. proof that you should definitely trust him with pretty much anything he touches. I mean, a movie about Facebook he, is cool. He's come a long way since, yeah, exactly. He made a movie about Facebook really compelling and awesome. He's come a long way since uh, Alien 3, which was, you know, I've seen the behind-the-scenes uh, movie about the making of that movie and wait, he, there's a behind the scenes movie about the making of Alien Three. It's a it's like a documentary, but yeah, it's it's That's cool. It's he was put in a bad situation and he didn't really get to do what he wanted. Um, but he's come a long way and he definitely deserves to. The, he he's at a point where he can choose whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, he's at the and height of his powers. He, exactly, and <laughs> if you had any doubt about a World War Z two. You should remove all doubt right now because I, I, David Fincher's in the house. I, I yeah. remember liking World War Z. I remember not being like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But I remember watching it and be like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see a sequel I'll, I'll, see, if it elevates the story. And I, I was very disappointed with World War Z because I'm a huge fan of the book. Um, the book is one of those very interesting and unique um, sort of narrative experiments where it's it takes – um, it takes a very global event and it tells it to you through, it tells you essentially the whole chronological story of it, but through these sort of vignettes where it's like, it'll tell you a chapter, it, it'll have you, um, it'll, it'll have you, it'll tell you the story of one particular person's experience within this huge zombie apocalypse. And it's done in this sort of interview style where, um, essentially the main character is almost non-present in the story. He's basically the narrator. He goes and he interviews all these people and these people tell him their stories of the zombie apocalypse. And, um, 
it's a huge, huge, huge story. I mean, the book goes from, I mean, the west coast of the United States to Australia to under the deep blue sea to the apple or to, to the to the top of um, the um, the Himalayas to outer space. I mean, it goes everywhere, and it's it it really is something else when it comes to um, storytelling, and hmm. um, it's it's compelling. And even though you don't spend a whole lot of time with the characters, the, um, it seems uh, like World War Z is like a like a nugget of what you just described, the movie. Yeah, no, I mean the movie, the movie. Like when I when I heard they were making a World War Z movie, I had actually just finished reading the book, and I was like, "How the hell are they going to adapt this? Because it is so big. I mean, um, there's there's so many just massive ideas and and stories that you could basically make a movie out of every single chapter of that book. That's how dense the book is." And, um, the, uh, when, when the movie came out, um, I mean, there was definitely some exploration of a couple of the ideas in the book, um, but it was, it was really to a very minimal degree. I mean, there was, um, there was a couple things that were mentioned in passing in the book that made it into the movie. And, um, that was, that was basically sort of the extent of it. I mean, Mm. the rest of it, they sort of just took the setting and then put Brad Pitt in the movie and made a movie. But um, do, do you think that they're going to add more from the book into the sequel, maybe? Or I mean, do you I think it's genu- even possible? I genuinely hope so because um, I mean, there's there's definitely ways I think you can slice it to adapt it. And I mean, I've thought a lot about this since I heard David Fincher was directing it um, a couple days ago, um, and I, I do think that uh, there, there are a couple of very um, very very big storylines that are kind of get a bit more attention than most of them in the book. Um, uh, for example, there's the Battle of Yonkers, um, the the offensive through the U.S. And, I mean, there, there is a way, I think, to do this um, that, would, um, th- that, would, that would work on the big screen. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm I'm just looking forward to see what David Fincher does because um, mm-hmm. I mean the guy the guy is brilliant and absolutely um, I mean if he can if he can do with World War Z what he's done with so many other frankly difficult to adapt concepts I mean if you can make the Social Network a good movie I'm sure you can make World War Z a good movie yeah I um I, it's it's interesting because um, Brad Pitt's been wanting to do this for a long time and. I don't know. I think World War Z is starting to become like an Avatar situation where it's like the longer you wait, the less relevant it feels. And I think this is the fact that they have a director that they're settling on right now. It's like they better get to they get in, they better get into production tomorrow because <laughs> I don't want to be I don't want it to be like Avatar where it's like we're coming out with a sequel in 2020 and I don't give a <laughs> fart in hell. <laughs> Seriously, I could care less about Avatar coming out in 2020. Um, I'll, I'll get excited when I see the first second of footage. That's when I'll get excited. I honestly um, was never a but, fan of Avatar. Yeah, but the, the the story of World War Z is still fresh in my head. I still really enjoy the movie every time I watch it. Um, and I hope that they can – like they, they made a big gamble by deciding to reshoot the movie last minute, uh, reshoot the ending so they could leave it open for a sequel. So let's hope to God that that decision was worth it. And if they got someone like David freaking Fincher to come and direct it, it's – I'd say it's worth it. So we'll wait and see. But I, I, I am interested in, in World War Z now. So we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. So that was our top five. Running down really quick, that was um, – the first trailer for Kingsman the Golden Circle, Star Wars Episode Nine, and Indiana Jones 5 get new release dates, Cars 3 trailer, Joe Johnson to direct Narnia, The Chronicles of Narnia, sorry, The Silver Chair, and David Fincher will direct World War Z 2. Yay! Yay! And now on to our topic of the week. Uh, so, oh gosh, I don't even remember what the circumstance was that we were talking about this. First off... You were watching Collider. Um, I was watching Collider when we talk. The one guy was like, uh, was, was talking about, um, I don't remember what exactly. Was he, he talking said. about James Bond, or was he talking about something else? I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember because I was I was working on my script. I was sitting there like a good little 
writer, okay. right? Slaving but yeah, away on the keyboard. You probably remember better than I do. How, what triggered this conversation? <laughs> well, I was triggered by something he said. <laughs> okay, what, what did he say that triggered you? Um, he uh, he was talking about um, sort of uh, more character-driven stories um, and and how he, he referred to them, I think, as character studies. And um, I, I maintain that a character study is integral to any narrative that you're going to make. Um, and this is, this is not, this was not always my opinion, but it has been for a little while now, um, probably about a little over a year and a half. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think that, um, well, so two quarters ago we got, or no, last quarter was it, we got into a big debate about Aristotle's poetics and whether or not, um, it was plot or character that was more important. And, um, I, I, I firmly believe that character is more important than plot, um, because you can't have a plot without the character. And in order, in order for the, for the plot to arise, you have to first understand the character. And so you're always going to start each narrative with, some form of character study, whether it's, you know, a, a brief snippet at the beginning of the movie, like I said, um, Iron Man, you get that sort of flashback to the 48 hours prior to him getting blown up by his own missile. Um, that's, that's the character study element of that story. Everything after that is character development because that's where the character starts to, uh, starts to sort of develop and grow and become something else. And that's why you use the word development instead of the word study. Um, so there, there can't be, I, I don't think you can specifically say that there is some movies that are character study and there are some movies that are, um, that are just movies or, you know, plot driven movies. Um, because every plot is going to have that study, the, the study of at least one of their characters in it, in some capacity. Um, whether or not that maintains throughout the entire movie is a different matter altogether, but there is, there is um, sort of a, a a fine line where it where where once once you cross it, you're no longer in the realm of character study. You're in the realm of character development. And um, to me, what character development's always meant is the characters developing into something else, um, and they're they're growing. It's kind of like if you take a flower and you're going to, you're going to plant it in the ground and it's going to develop and grow into, you know, a, a bush, a big rose bush some, uh, or something like that. Um, whereas if you're, if you're just going to study the flower, the flower is not going to change. Um, you're just going to look at it very closely, take some pictures, um, you know, observe all the little minutia and, you know, quirks of that particular flower and then, um, you know, make some notes on it and sort of move on and the flower is going to stay the same. Um, but developing is something entirely different and it involves, a, uh, it involves a metamorphosis, um, in the character. I disagree. <laughs> well, that's why we're here, isn't it? Um, so yeah, basically what Jacob's saying is that every movie is a character study and I disagreed with that. I, in a capacity, in a capacity, in a capacity, well, every movie is a character. Let me study. just, yeah. So my thought on the matter is that there is a distinct difference between a character study and character development. For me, character development is found in every movie, however small, whether it's a plot-driven movie or a character-driven movie. I don't know if it's. Um, in, I don't know if it's in Tommy Wiseau's The Room. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so either. I mean, we've seen the movie, and I can't, I can't argue with that. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Mark. <laughs> it's not true. I did not kill her. I did not. <laughs> so what's new with you? How's your sex life? <laughs> That's a common question you ask in a very casual, casual manner. You um, are tearing me apart, okay. Lisa. <laughs> okay, let's we'll save the room for another time. So, um, no, what I believe character development to be is just the basic development of a character, getting to know them, and then also having them progress throughout the movie. Um, like once a good character development is like like you know Star Lord for example like uh, you know since my mind's on Guardians of the Galaxy at the moment he's <laughs> can't blame um, you for that. can't blame no I'm sure you can he uh, he ha you know he listens to music that's kind of his quirk he's got this tape from the eighties he just listens to nonstop um, he's uh, quirky he's he's sort of a sort of a numbskull if you think about it you know he's not exactly um, 
it's not exactly a brains of a bronze situation. He's definitely more bronze than brains. Um, but he's clever, he's he's witty, um, or think of a character like Logan. He's um he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders, he's um you know, his quirk is he likes to drink a lot and swear a lot and smoke cigars. Um, but he, but he, he, he tells everybody to F off because he just doesn't give a crap about anybody. He wants to be left alone because he's got so many problems he's trying to deal with. Um, you know, those are char- that's character development for me. For, for me. And a character study is going back to Logan, the actual movie Logan, not the character. That is a hardcore character study because you're, you're for the first time really in the entire X-Men franchise, you're, you're, you're you're getting a glimpse at like who Logan really is. Like this this film encompasses who that character is and why he feels the way he feels about the world, why he's so broken, why he's so hurt, and why he always comes back to save the day even though he doesn't want to, uh, because he's got a heart of gold um deep down in that dingy, messed up, dying body of his and Logan. Um that's a character study for me. It, it, when the movie is solely about a character and following his journey, that's a character study. Uh, like Iron Man, the first Iron Man is a character study. The second Iron Man is a character study. The third Iron Man, those three are character studies because they're about Tony Stark and him becoming more than just a man, more than just Tony Stark and becoming Iron Man. The, the third film is about him becoming him trying to prove to himself that he can be be Iron Man without just the suits. Like, the suits do not just make him. He is his own man outside of the suits. Um, That's why I adore those three films, because they're character studies. The Captain America films, besides Civil War, are character studies because they're about Captain America. First one's about Captain America trying to prove to the world that he can be the hero everybody says he can't be. Second film is about his world coming under attack and everything he, everybody he he loves and trusts trying to hurt him and kill him, um, and him him trying to come to terms with that. That's a very character driven movie, albeit the action doesn't really take place until Hydra's revealed. Spoilers, but <laughs> but 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 everything is fueled by what he does and what he says, what he thinks. We're following his story. Every, everything's told from his point of view. So, for me, the difference between character study and character development is character study is a type of movie. Like, you set out to make a character study on a character and figure out what makes them tick and what makes them, how they react in a certain situation. Character development is how you make a character interesting in a movie. And that's where we have been disagreeing. So, um, I, I think, I think for the purposes of this discussion, I think it's very important to recognize, um, what, uh, what, what constitutes, um, sort of a, what constitutes plot exactly. And, um, uh, for, for Aristotle, that's, that's the, the intention and obstacle that like sort of the, the push between those two. Um, you have a character who wants something, you have something that's standing in their way and, the plot that arises out of that is um, how they try to overcome that obstacle. And this is why I think um, character is much more important than plot, um, because you can't fully realize that dynamic unless you, f- unless you really understand the character. So um, what, uh, what you described, um, say, with Star-Lord, with Logan, um, with, those, with those characters, with those movies, um, is there is, um, there, there is definitely a... Uh, a a a development process that goes with those characters in those movies. Um, they they undergo some sort of change. They undergo some sort of um, realization, and they learn something about who they are. And you learn something about um, what they're going to do when faced with these situations. That's that's how you get your plots. Um, and uh, the the study of a character, I think, is different from that. Um, because I think Logan's a good example of a character study movie. Um, it, because it does take, it, it does, it does go very deep into what exactly it is that makes Logan tick. Like you said, 
Um, he has he has all of these all this baggage that he carries with him, and uh, the movie makes sure that you know what that baggage is, and uh, makes sure that you know why Logan reacts to it the way he does. And um, that essentially what it does is it takes Logan as sort of a a immobile um, stationary um, character in in this chaotic story and really kind of like puts him under a microscope and observes him as he is. Um, but within Logan, I will say there is also an element of character development as well. Um, because if, if there is, if there is a type of character that you're introduced to and, um, he's not willing to do something, then there's going to have to be something that happens within the story that's ultimately going to convince him that he has to do this well, thing. Well, but 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 I'm saying there's character development in every movie. Like well, yes. even in, like Logan most of all. Like I think in in character studies character development is like the most crucial thing you can put in a movie, but even like plot-driven films, I think character development is there. Well, so what exactly do you mean though when you say character development? Like what does that mean to you? For for me that means developing who the character is on a basic level like who is he what does he like what does he not like what makes him tick what is it what are, what are his quirks who does he not who does he like who does he not like what are his goals what are his what does he want what does he need and then furthering furthering the plot along it's it's like seeing all those things pay off and then you know like in a sequel like seeing all those things continue like okay now in this situation what does he want what does he need so essentially this, so essentially defining the character and then seeing them in action yeah sort of thing okay so as a study you're literally studying them and you're seeing it's almost like a nature document you're seeing the you're seeing like a like a a leopard um, as mm. he's tending to her cubs and uh, <laughs> do you call leopards are they cubs? I don't know. Uh, or then attacking the prey and then attacking predators and whatever. Um, and now we see the wild wolverine in his natural habitat. That's basically what I mean. Like, basically, yeah, you you should be able to almost like put a commentary to David a Attenborough character. just narrates Logan. <laughs> oh my, he's just stabbed that man through the chest. How will I ever recover from this? <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. so... <laughs> So, so I, I think I think we don't disagree then on what exactly a study is, right? Um, yeah, it's it's basically almost, it's like an examination, and yeah, it's like, just seeing yeah. them in their natural habitat, sort of thing. I think I think where we really differ is what exactly development is, because development to me really means a metamorphosis of the character. It really means um, essentially, yeah, and that's it, it's it's taking it's taking um, what the character is and then essentially just applying extreme heat and pressure until they become something else. Because what I'm saying is like, yeah, that's, that's, that is part of it, but that's more so part of the plot driven aspect. Like if it, like that's part of the, that's the plot kicking it. I don't think that's really character development. Right, right. Well, every, everything that happens in the movie is going to be sort of an action and reaction dynamic, right? Right. Yeah. Um, the thing, and the, I think that's just the character. That's, that's like the pre-established character development. Right, right. Well, um, so, so I mean, I guess what I'd call the character study then, or at least that part of it. Um, I mean, the, uh, the 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 thing about this um, that I guess the, the thing about um, character development to me, I think the reason why I separate it from character study in that way is because um, the way I understand the, the way that I understand stories and the way that I sort of go about them uh, when I tell them is. Um, I don't. I don't really want to know the plot of the story that I'm writing until I know who the characters are. Right? Um, there's there to me. There's sort of a, a detach between the the actual makeup of the characters and what's going to go down in the plot until you until you have a very solid idea of who the characters are. Right? So um, if if you have, if you want to tell a story about, um, well, let's just let's just use the example of Breaking Bad. If you want to, if you want to tell the story about a guy who becomes a meth cook, uh, like an ordinary guy who becomes a meth cook, like to use Vince Gilligan's terms, Mister Rogers becomes Scarface. Um, you first have to sit down and think, okay, so who is this Mister Rogers guy? Um, 
I want to know every single detail about him. Like, I want to so know that, him. That's character development yeah. for me. I, I want to know him intimately, right? Um, and then once once I've established him as Mr. Rogers, then I'm going to go and I'm going to say, okay, so what are the things that are going to start to push Mr. Rogers in the direction of Scarface? And um, that the, That would be plot. Right, eyes. right. That would be plot, but plot is tied to character development in a very, in a very intimate way. I think um, so. Where, where the character is going to sort of motivate the plot, the plot is also going to sort of motivate the character in a way. Um, th- think of it this way: if you have, um, let, let's say, let's say you set up a tower of blocks, right? Okay. And um, and you you put a lot of thought and effort into you know, the shape of this tower of blocks and, and this, um, this, the, the, the way that it's balanced and, you know, all the different colors and, you know, you make it into something really, 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 really well thought out and really, really well put together. Um, and then what you're going to do is you're going to come along and you're going to, and your little brother is going to come into the room with a big giant beach ball and he's going to just smash into it. And that's, that's going to be, um, essentially sort of, let's say the outside force of the plot interacting with your character for the first time. So in the first episode of Breaking Bad, we meet Walter White. Um, he, he, uh, he's a nice high school chemistry teacher. And then all of a sudden he has lung cancer and he can't pay for it. And that's, that's the little brother coming into the room and just knocking down the tower of blocks with his beach ball. Um, so all of, all of that study that's gone into making this very intricate and detailed structure is all of a sudden upset by this very big and unexpected outside force that, um, that your character didn't necessarily have control over. And, um, well, well, let me, let me respond to that. The thing about that, I, especially with Breaking Bad, which is one of my favorite television shows, that's part of the character. I think that's like, he has cancer. Yes, that's part of the plot, but that is, that's kind of character development for me. It's like this guy, he's, you know, sort of reserved. He's not very, uh, vocal. Mm-hmm. Now he's got cancer. And now he's forced to do things that he, and because he, the character has cancer, that's sort of the it's because because it's part of him that makes it a character study I think, so character development or character study makes it a character study. It's part of the character development, right? Right. In a way, well, yeah, character study and character development are very integral to each other because um, well, because but 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 yes, and that, I'm agreeing with that because Breaking Bad is a character study. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's very I think the the, the difference where you and I differ is that I believe that. Um, Break like, there's two types of stories. There's plot, dri- there's plot driven, and there's character driven. I don't believe that plot driven stories are character studies because in plot driven movies, what's driving the movie is a plot. Like, take Kong Skull Island for example. Um, that movie is driven by the plot, which is these explorers or these um, scientists are sent on an expedition to go search Skull Island. And they find Kong, and they're trying to get out the island because of Kong. Like, yes, Kong is a character, but he is sort of a plot device, and he fuels the plot. Now, with character studies, I agree there's character development because it's about the character. The character is what's fueling the story, and he's the one that's making decisions, and it's his decisions, and it's his journey that's fueling the plot. And yes, there is a plot that um, force. There, there is an outside force that forces him to do the things he does, but that is, um, that is a device to make him, make the character make decisions, uh, because we're following the character. So in a sense, the character and his decisions that he makes are the plot. Right, right. Um, so the, the, um, I guess really quick, let's, um, let's condense, let's wrap up our, our thoughts in general before we run out of time. So you just like in a minute or two. Yeah. So, um, so the, the as the, the like the, the integral part of a plot driven movie though is whatever the plot is it's this sort of um, this force that's clashing with the character and what they're what they're trying to accomplish and so because of that um, there is there there is more options that are opened up there is more avenues for the plot to go down 
um, because of how the character reacts. There's, it, it's like um, Isaac Newton's third law of motion. For every option, action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Every time that the character attempts to do something, there's going to be there, there has to be something that pushes back against it. And every time that something pushes back against it, the character is going to reevaluate and try to get around that obstacle in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is character development. It's 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 like the process of making diamonds. Essentially, it's like you take carbon and you put it under extreme heat and pressure and it becomes something else um the the character study part of that though i think it's important to really be able to um see what about those characters makes them tick um and what about those characters uh, makes them who they are before you go and apply extreme heat and pressure to them to make them into something else mm-hmm. um even in plot driven movies and i mean it doesn't have to be that much even i mean iron man gives us like a 15 minute flashback where you really get to see um what tony stark is before it starts to present him with obstacles and problems that he has to solve and in effect, make him change into something else. So by the end of the movie, he's no longer this kind of trashy playboy. He's um, kind of an upstanding citizen, and he has he has ethics that he's going to stand by, and he's going to defend innocent people. Essentially, he's not he's not going to um, sort of go through life the way he has, and um, that's that's really where that's really how Tony Stark develops over the course of the movie. Um, and it's because we, we've been allowed that brief window of time at the beginning to see who he is and how he operates that then we can kind of root for him as he goes through this change throughout the rest of it. <clears throat> and uh, for just to recap my, my thoughts, um, I believe there's a distinct difference between character development and character um, study. Um, basically, character development is what you do to make a character interesting. Character study is actually studying the character in a given situation or just how he goes about his normal life and seeing how he reacts to a plot or a given situation. Um, And as I said before, there are two types of films. There are plot-driven films and there are character-driven films. And um, you can have character development in both films or both types of films, um, but essentially one is different from the other. So that is our talk on character development versus character study. Study it, take notes. It might help you in class. Or... Yeah. So we want to. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, seriously, let us know in the comments below what are your thoughts on this debate. Is there a difference between the two, or are they essentially the same? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Side with me so that I can hold it over Vinny that a bunch of strangers on the internet agreed with me over here. No, you should follow me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I've we got today. Um, I want to shout out for the week. Um, I really don't have one planned out, so I'm just going to be a spoiled brat and shout out myself. Uh, shout out to my self promotion. Shout out to Windfall Rising, my new movie, which I'm co-directing with Claire McKay. Uh, things have been going really well. We got a new piece of concept art out that you guys can check out on our Facebook page. Uh, we're going to have a lot of promos coming out. We're filming in June. Um, like I said, the, the themes in this film are very similar to Cars 3 with themes about people trying to uh, redeem relevance in the world um, who are trapped in the old way of doing things or trying to adapt to a new way of doing things. Those themes are very much present in Windfall Rising as in Cars 3, which is uh, you know part of the reason why it's so exciting to direct a Pixar-inspired uh, short film. It so, looks really cool. You should totally support it. Thank you. So shout-out to Windfall Rising – Check out our Indiegogo. Uh, check out our Facebook page for more ways to donate to our film. We're already doing really great on funds. So we could always use more help. We'd love to have you guys come on this journey with us. Be a part of Windfall Rising. If you donate, you are directly a part of the movie. You are helping make this a reality. So I'll put the links in the bio and the description and whatever else. For just $5, you can feed this poor, hungry filmmaker. All well, he it's, wants to do they're is... Not, they're not, money's not going to me. I'm, all he wants to do I, is make a movie. Okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we got for you guys. Thanks for watching this episode of the Vince Lionel Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, hit that like button down below and subscribe to my YouTube channel. We can check out my short films, trailer reactions, and more episodes of the Vince Lionel Podcast. Jacob, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Where can, the, where can the kids find you online? 
Um, if they want to hear your insight. You can, well, if you want to hear my insight, probably nowhere, because I don't really have a place to do that. I might start doing a sort of a vlog thing where I talk about this sort of thing on my YouTube channel, which is Handcrafted Pictures, and um, that's pretty much the only place you can find me. <laughs> I'll link all that in the description, and I'll let you guys know about Jacob's blog. You should get a Twitter. I, well, I do have a Twitter, but I only ever post the videos that I make for class. Okay, well, it. what's your Twitter? Um, it's at handcraftedpics, I think. Okay. I, I think I have to check. All right. Well, regardless of what it is, I'll put it in the description. <laughs> I don't remember my own Twitter handle. This is pathetic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so next <laughs> next time, well, I'll probably discuss my Disney visit. I know I've been promising that for a long time, but I'm going to talk about my Disney visit hopefully next week unless something big comes out for a topic of the week. I know all about it. Yeah, he does. Otherwise, <laughs> it's going to be Disney. So that's it. Have a great week. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Have a great week since it's now Monday, not the weekend. Have a great week. God bless and peace out. Don't worry. Monday's over. You'll be fine. No, it's not. It's over. It's over, hopefully, when you're listening to this. It's like ending. It's it's Monday. <laughs> when are you going to upload this? Monday. <laughs> when on Monday? You say Monday morning, you're a monster. Yep, Monday morning. <laughs> All right, everybody, good luck with your Monday. Bye. <laughs>